This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Today we celebrate because Jesus is risen. You can't help but wonder, though, after that horrible crucifixion day, you can't help but wonder if the hearts of the disciples were full of despair, grief, disappointments. Darkness must have descended that day on the hearts of those men and women who followed Jesus. Their Messiah, their, their king, their master was dead. Many had followed for three long years, and this is where it ends. But on Sunday morning, just as the sun was rising, three women made their way to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And Mark records the story for us. He writes in Mark chapter 16, on Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. And then, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? Remember, the guards had sealed the entrance to the tomb with a great big stone for security purposes. But their worry was unnecessary. (laughs) They worried unnecessarily because when they arrived at the tomb, the stone had been rolled back and there was an angel sitting on it. So their worry was replaced with wonder, their anxiety with astonishment, their apprehension was replaced with amazement. And you know, I... I think that's what God has in store for us as well. I think that God wants to minister to us in the power of the resurrection, through the power of the resurrection, so that worry and doubt and apprehension and anxiety and fear does not stand in the way of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. So here, Mary has a life-changing encounter with Jesus after his resurrection. And in John chapter 20, we read about this unforgettable dialogue. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, well, they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So there was something about his resurrected appearance that she didn't immediately recognize him. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will will look after him. I will go and, and, and retrieve his body. Mary is weeping, overwhelmed with grief. 
The last few days have been hard on this woman whose life has been radically transformed by her Savior, Jesus. So once again, she stoops to look inside the empty tomb. Is he really gone? Not only have they killed her master, her Lord, but now somebody has stolen the body. Could it get any worse? She has this astonishing conversation with these two angels. They're sitting where the body of Jesus had been, one at the foot and one at the head. But I think she's so totally preoccupied by the emptiness of the tomb that the identity of these angels doesn't even dawn on her. She's not blown away by the angels. I think, ha, I'd have been blown away by the angels. You know, <laughs> angels talking. I'm talking to angels, but not Mary. She, she's not blown away by the angels, but she is blown away by her conversation with Jesus just a moment later. Supposing him to be the gardener, she says to Jesus, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where they have laid him, and I will take him away. And then he called her by name. Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. All he did was speak her name. Mary. That's all he said. She recognized his voice immediately when He spoke her name. He had spoken her name so many times before. He'd ministered to her so many times before and poured out his love upon her. She knew his voice when he said, Mary, it's the teacher. It's Jesus. And she was elated. Do you know the Savior's voice? Would you recognize the voice of Jesus if he spoke your name this morning? Do you know him? Have you you spent enough time with Jesus to, to be able to recognize when he calls your name? Mary. She she heard his voice. She knew it was him. He's alive. Jesus is alive. And everything changed in that moment. And you know, after the disciples left the tomb, they could say, we have seen the evidence. But after Mary left the tomb, she could say, I have seen the Lord. And there's a big difference. There's really a big difference between those two. On the one hand, and it's, it's, the, it's the difference between... Uh, between evidence, between uh, empirical evidence and, and a, and a tra- transformed life. That's the difference. Empirical evidence and a transformed life. On a plateau high above the Atacama Desert in Chile, one of the world's largest radio telescopes allows astronomers to look at the universe in ways that they never were able to do before. And according to one of the scientists at this institute, they are looking for clues to the origin of the universe. But you know, even if they were to find something, 
what would that change? Would that really change anything? Well, I ask that question because evidence by itself changes nothing. A lot of people, a lot of people consent to the evidence of the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. They give assent to those historical facts, but it doesn't change their lives. The evidence really doesn't change people. Their lives are untouched, unaffected. Their lives are unmoved because they never add repentance and faith to the evidence. The evidence of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave is abundant and overwhelming. I mean, it fills libraries. The evidence for the historical Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But the evidence itself doesn't save you. The evidence does not change your life. If we don't respond to the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave with, with repentance and faith, no change occurs. No transformation happens. It just remains evidence. You know, one of the most outstanding examples of this is, is Peter. Remember Peter? <laughs> He's the guy who denies the Lord Jesus Christ three times before the rooster crows. Three times. He's a betrayer. He's a coward. He's a turncoat. That's who he is. And yet, when the barriers of denial and remorse had finally been broken down in his own life, in his own heart, when grace gave Peter a brand new start, when, when forgiveness finally forced fear out the front door, then Peter became the first spokesman of the resurrection to the rest of the world. Talk about transformation. Remember his words, Acts chapter 2? He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, he said. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Down to verse 32. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. So, let everyone in Israel know for certain. Let everyone in Windsor, Essex know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Thanks be to God. I mean, Peter's life had been radically transformed. Radically changed. And that it was the power of the resurrection that, that, that made that change possible. It was when, when, when Peter fully realized that Jesus Christ had not only died and was buried, but came out of the grave alive on the third day, it changed his life. He used to be this brash young fisherman sticking one foot and then the second one in his mouth all the time. Then he started following Jesus. 
And then he believed in Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit moved into his life. And he is now a changed man. And all of this transformation is possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection power of Jesus that was at, at work in his life to change him from the inside out. The resurrection of Jesus was the turning point for Peter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the turning point for me and for many of you in this room today because the gospel changes everything. When I first met Aaron, he was accompanying his wife and his family to church. And his wife was very eager to find a church. Aaron was just coming along. My grandparents are Ukrainian Orthodox, so as far as that background, it was going to church every Sunday and we would go to Sunday school on a regular basis. I would say most of that journey stopped when my grandfather passed away. So at that point, I felt kind of like God took him away and I didn't understand why. There's a lot of anger, there's a lot of resentment. I think beyond that point, it was like everything related to God was just kind of, it just disappeared. It probably wasn't until I met my now wife. When we moved to Windsor and we started coming to the gathering that I started to learn more about Christianity. Well, I remember inviting Aaron to come to a men's Bible study. And he came, and week after week, Aaron would sit very quietly and just observe, not participating too much. But we noticed a change. And a few weeks later, he declared his faith in Jesus Christ and how our church and his wife's testimony had made the difference in his life. The gathering talked about doing a water baptism. The Bible says to be baptized when you believe and you want to follow God, you want to be a believer. So that's why I decided, because I want to follow God, I thought, I think this is the right time. I don't think I've been stronger in my faith than I am at this point. And it's all due to God. that took place in Aaron's life was because Jesus came out of the grave alive and gave that power. Gave that power as a gift. The fact that Aaron's life has changed so dramatically is just another proof positive of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As Peter would go on to say in 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So you see, the resurrection of Jesus makes it possible for us to enter into new life, to uh, receive this living hope, to be born again by the Spirit of God, to be forgiven for our sins, to have brand new hope and a brand new beginning, all because of the resurrection. Paul would go on to say in Romans chapter 4 that the resurrection is also 
connected to our justification. Justification in the Bible is this declaration by God that we are declared righteous. We're righteous before God through faith in Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. See, we should have been delivered up. We should have been the ones who paid the price, but Jesus stepped in and paid the price for us. He was delivered up for our trespasses and then raised for our justification. So the justification, the new birth that we experience is, is intimately linked to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I also believe that the resurrection of Jesus is the source of any spiritual desire that we may express, any spiritual desire that we may have in our hearts. And I look at this passage from Philippians chapter 3, where, where Paul writes, as a believer already in Jesus, he says, you know, everything in my life is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus my Lord. Knowing Jesus has infinite value to Paul. Infinite value. I assure you, my bank account does not have infinite value. My RRSP portfolio, nothing infinite about that. Knowing Jesus Christ has infinite value, he says, and I want to know Christ. I, I want to know him. And I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Jesus. If that thought is percolating in your heart and mind this morning, then I want to introduce you to Jesus. I'd like for you to meet Jesus in the same way that Aaron met Jesus, the same way that I met Jesus. I, I would like for you to meet Jesus this morning. If there's any sort of desire in your heart, I, I, I want to know him. A lady said to me not too long ago, in, in reference to a, a, another gal who comes to our church, she said, you know, when I first met her, I thought she was a little bit strange uh, because people today don't love other people the way she loves me. She really cares about me. And I thought to myself, I would really like to have what she has. Whatever that is, I, I want some of that. You know what that is? That's Jesus. That's the resurrection power of Jesus in this other woman's life. It's attractive. It draws people. And I hope that you're drawn to Jesus this morning. We don't have much to offer. Like I said, my bank account, my RRS, I, I, I give that all to you. You won't be any richer. But if you, if you have Jesus, oh, you're richer than you think. Infinite value. The infinite value of knowing Jesus, my Lord. The time has come for you to just quit trying to fix your own life in your own power. I don't know what you struggle with, but I know you struggle. You don't need to. The, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available to you, to all of us. 
And the resurrection power of Jesus is the power that can forgive your sin. The resurrection power of Jesus is the power that can heal your heart. The resurrection power of Jesus is the power that can give you joy. It really is. The resurrection power of Jesus can, can repair your marriage. It can fix your family. It can save your soul. And so if you would like to have some of that power and that joy and that forgiveness and that hope in your life this morning, if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven and all that stuff is behind you, if you'd like a fresh start this morning, then I invite you to come to Jesus, to believe in Him, to trust in Him, to take that step of faith. The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus came out of the grave alive, and now He offers you life and hope and forgiveness and healing and joy and peace. I invite you to to join me, to, to come and stand with me this morning to declare your new faith in Jesus. And I I went back and was just skimming over the gospel stories this week. And just about every invitation that Jesus gave, he gave as a public invitation to follow him. There was no no backroom secret deals. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then, then follow me and let everybody know. Because he who is ashamed of me, I will deny before the Father. You can't be ashamed of Jesus and be a follower of Jesus. So the worship team is going to come in just a moment. And they're going to lead us in a closing song. And I would just invite you to come and stand with me. Literally, stand with me by the cross here in our church. We're going to sing the words, You are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. And you see, God had a a design for each one of our lives, but sin leads to such brokenness. Oh, the brokenness in our lives. Broken homes, broken families, broken relationships. So much brokenness in our world today. But the gospel says that Jesus died and came out of the grave alive to set us free. We need to repent of our sins and believe this gospel. To believe in Jesus. And then God gives us the wonderful privilege of recovering and pursuing His design for our lives. So if God is prompting you this morning to put your faith in Jesus, why don't you come and stand with me here? Just get up out of your seat when we sing. Step out into the aisle and walk up here and stand with me. Let's not be ashamed of our faith in Christ.